You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Thank you so much, ladies. You can be dismissed to junior church for the kids that are going back. Man, what a beautiful morning. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful celebration of the grace of God, and He sure is good. I'm going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter number 2 this morning. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 2. You know, the story of Christmas is filled with many captivating details, is it not? And we, we may take it for granted because we do hear it every year. But, I mean, think about all the stuff going on. You've got angels appearing and <laughs> causing Zachariah to go mute. You've got angels appearing to... Boy, oh boy. Uh, you've got <laughs> angels... Uh, you know, at least kids are honest. There are some of you that would be doing the same thing right now if you were honest. But, um, but, but the captivating detail around the Christmas story, I mean, choirs of angels singing. Elizabeth, the elderly and barren uh, woman, of Zach, uh, lady, wife of Zechariah, giving birth to John the Baptist, only to be outdone by her young cousin Mary uh, being visited by an angel and, and her being a virgin and conceiving and giving birth to the very Son of God. I mean, just it's, it's an amazing and just wonderful uh, testimony. And as Christians, we don't just think about it this time of year, but, but there's no doubt that we definitely emphasize it a lot more this time of year. But it's easy to take for granted when you've heard it your whole life. But this is an amazing story. It's a gripping, captivating account of when the Lord first came to visit us. Now among all of these gripping accounts surrounding the Messiah's birth, there's yet another intriguing story about a notable group of men. A notable group of men that we call the wise men or the magi who traveled from a great distance to worship the newborn king. What's more is not only did this group of men, and by the way, we sometimes confuse the amount of wise men with the, with the gifts that they gave. How many gifts did the wise men give? Three gifts. How many wise men were there? They'll answer too quickly. We don't know. But Jew, uh, there's a Jewish historian that was alive, a notable Jewish historian that wrote during this time, shortly after this time, and he said that there were some stories that there could have been up as, as many as hundreds of these men coming into town for this purpose. But it doesn't tell us how many there are. It just tells, tells us three types of gifts that they gave. But it says that, the, that they came and they were led by this mysterious star. Like, what is that about? Well, let's look in Matthew chapter 2, and let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now I'll just pause right there for a second. 
That would make more sense to what the historian said about a large group of men coming to town versus just these three dudes that happened to go. Jerusalem is in a very central point of trade and travel. So three men coming to town may not have got all Jerusalem and Herod stirred up, but a, a number of them may have done just that. But regardless, Herod was stirred up, Jerusalem was troubled. And in verse 4, the Bible says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And this is a, a direct quotation out of, the, out of the book of Malachi, or I'm sorry, uh, Micah chapter 5. And thou, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So that was the prophecy that he had read. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come, worship, come and worship him also. Uh, by this time, Herod had already killed a couple of his sons and at least one or two of his wives along the way, I believe. Herod had no interest in worshiping Jesus or any challenger to his throne. He was in, intent on killing them. That's why he killed his sons and, and, and his wives and so forth. But when they, when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, but wait, there's myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. My poor family. But I want to preach to you today on this thought. I want to preach about the star of Christmas. The star of Christmas. This Christmas star appears in the sky on a night long ago. The star illuminates the evening sky, piercing the darkness with its radiance, demanding for your eyes to follow the light. It rests above a lowly place where the Christ child was. The eternal God entered human history as man. Fully God, fully man, He set aside His divinity to fulfill the plan of redemption, which was God's master plan going back from the very beginning. And so in order to announce this prophetic event, the God of the universe emblazons the evening sky with a, with a celestial phenomenon, a star. The brightest star in the heavens. Now, many question, what is the Christmas star? What was this star? I'm going to give you an answer to that today. I'm really not. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it is. 
There's some people that believe that it, that it, was, a, it was just a rare astronomical occurrence. It was, uh, there was an alignment of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars that just uh, shone brightly as they reflected in the night sky. Some believe there was, uh, yeah, I believe it was in China around 5 B.C. They reported a comet that lasted for a number of time and some believe that it was this comet Others say that it was just the Shekinah glory of the Lord. It was just God's light, God's uh, Shekinah glory that was leading these men. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, the star, as far as the bright light shining in the sky, really isn't the important thing. The Bible says in Numbers 24, verse 17, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Whatever this wondrous star may have been, it shone brightly in the night sky, but it was leading these men to the real star of Christmas, this child that was born. They came to worship this holy child. The star was a sign of the coming of the King. The wise men follow this star that leads to the long-awaited Messiah. They bow down in worship before Him. They offer Him these royal gifts. They, uh, they recognize that this King, the light of the world, is come. Now again, the star in the sky is not near as important as, important as the star in the stable. I want to talk about Him this morning. When I'm preaching about the star of Christmas, I'm not talking about the bright light shining in the sky, but I'm talking about the star. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the headliner. I'm talking about the preeminent one. The one that it's really all about. You know, the other characters of Christmas are really great, aren't they? I love the characters of Christmas. It really starts with Zechariah that I mentioned earlier. Uh, getting his turn in the temple when the angel of the Lord appears to him and, and tells him that Elizabeth, his wife, is going to give birth to a son. That's John the Baptist that will also fulfill the prophecy of one who will prepare the way of the Lord. And, but he goes, he, goes he goes mute in the temple and he can't speak. Later on, when they're trying to find out what John's name is going to be, they're trying to signal to him. Some believe that that means he also went deaf during that time. Unless it was just they were signaled to him because he signaled to them. But regardless. And then Elizabeth ends up getting pregnant. And I love, I love the story about Elizabeth and, and, and her becoming pregnant. And I love when, when the angel appears to Mary. What a beautiful scene that is. I love Mary and the way he appears to this humble servant of the Lord. And her attitude and, and her heart of praise as, as she rejoices in her Savior there, her Savior that's about to be uh, in her womb. And she rejoices in that. And Joseph, and how that Joseph was going to have her put away because he thought that she committed adultery. But of course, she hadn't committed adultery. So an angel appeared to him and assured him this was okay. I mean, but you got Joseph, you got the innkeeper, you got the shepherds, you got the angels. The, all these characters of Christmas, I love them all. I think they're all great characters in Christmas. Uh, don't you? I enjoy many of the characters who play a part in the Christmas season. I enjoy the character of Scrooge. Anybody else? I enjoy Hermie and Santa and Clark and Cousin Eddie. And I enjoy Kevin and Yukon Cornelius and Rudolph and Buddy and Archie Puffin 
Ralphie, Grandma, Linus, thank you. The Grinch, these are all great characters. Shout out, Grinch. Uh, th- th- these are all great characters, because there's some of you sitting out there right now, I promise you that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but these are all great characters. But they, all of these, though, they are nice openers. But they are not the headliner. They're, just, they're nice supporting actors, but they are not the star. There is one who outshines them all. And His name is Jesus. He is the star of Christmas. You remember on the night when you read there in Luke chapter number 2, when the angelic choir began to sing? Uh, I mean, they just burst forth. And by the way, don't you know that this was all amazing to the angels as well? I, I wish that we could change the narrative sometimes that we see in the Christmas story. Just this angel appearing. Hey, you're going to have a baby and he's going to be Emmanuel. Oh, wow, great, cool. You know, and, and then the choir singing. Oh, 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 and, you know, and the shepherds coming. I, folks, there's excitement in these verses. These angels were like, oh, my goodness, my creator is going to become a baby and somehow put himself in your womb. And the, the angels were amazed at all this. The angels weren't just singing to sing. They were singing. They were bursting forth in praise to the Lord. But just think about that. Jesus Christ, you talk about being a star. He had His own walk-up music. Did He not? He was being born. And so, so what did the angels do? They said, okay, let's sing. Let's welcome Him. And the reference to that is, as some of you know, and I know some of you are having a hard time with this maybe, but, but seriously, prove me wrong. Because, you know, you think about it, I, I think about it as, as, a, as a fan, I can remember as a Braves fan, I can remember, and, and Kate here is a Yankees fan, but there's something you knew, Kate, what, what do you think of when you think of, and now Kate, you wouldn't think that Kate would know anything about Enter Sandman. But there's a reason that Kate does know something about Enter Sandman, I'm not going to expound on that too much, but I'll say this, when that song came on, she knew that Mariana Rivera was coming out of the bullpen. It was his music announcing his appearing. And for me, uh, you know, when Crazy Train came on, that's when I knew Chipper Jones was coming up to the plate for the Atlanta Braves. And just bear with me, I'll say, good night, you're carnal. Well, pray for me, okay? Um, <laughs> pray for me. But, I, but just think about that. The angels, you talk about walk-up music, the, the angelic choir broke out and said, hey, guess who's stepping up? Guess who's coming? Guess who's coming into the world now? It's the Son of God. It's the Redeemer. It's Emmanuel. You talk about excitement. And so Jesus comes up. I mean, listen, Mary and Joseph, they sat in wonder at His birth. Why? Because He is the star. Mary's not the star. Joseph's not the star. Jesus is the star. What was it that caused the shepherds to leave the field? (laughs) Folks, it was none other than the Lamb of God. It was the star. It was Jesus. They were out there raising those sheep. And in Bethlehem, they raised sheep for temple sacrifice. And guess who was born in that same place where they raised lambs for temple sacrifice, but the Lamb of God. So the shepherds, what made them leave the field? Folks, it was Jesus. That's why they left the field. The Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world by the offering of Himself. Hebrews 9.26 says, Now once in the end of the world hath He appeared. Jesus Christ appeared. Why? 
to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is how he would accomplish his, re- his purpose revealed in his name. If you go over to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you find out that the angel said, this is what you need to name him. You need to name him Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. The shepherds, what brought them out of the field? Folks, it was to see the Lamb of God that was just born into the world. This explains why eight days after his birth, an old man named Simeon said he was ready to die. And and why was he ready to die? Because he said, man, I have seen the Lord's salvation. I mean, here he is hustling and bustling through a busy, busy temple. There's a lot of people around. You've got the Pharisees and the different ones all dressed to the nine and just looking good and looking sharp. But then you've got this poor couple coming in. And you can read between the lines. We, we, one of the reasons we know that Mary and Joseph was poor is that when they came to the temple on the eighth day, they were coming and they were offering pigeons rather than a ram or a lamb or a bull because the poorest of the poor were permitted just to come offer small birds as a sacrifice, and that's what they were doing. But they were coming into the temple. I mean, just imagine this poor peasant-looking couple walking through this busy temple with a bunch of Jerusalem high, ro- or a Jerusalem high rollers in and out of there. But here's this old man, this prophet, and when he sees him, the Lord reveals it to his heart. And we actually have his words recorded in Luke 2, verse 27. The Bible says, And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do after him according to the, after the custom of the law... Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I imagine this man Simeon had seen a lot up until this day. But he had never seen anything like this before. He had never met anyone like this before because it's Jesus, amen? He's the one. He's the star. He's the main attraction. He's what it's all about. The the Christmas star shone bright that blessed night. It pierced through the darkness. And today, the darkness of this world is pierced by the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. That that light that penetrates into the darkness of man's hearts. It illuminates every dark corner of our lives, shining with a holy brightness, filling us with His light of salvation and hope. Yes, Jesus is indeed the star of Christmas. He is who it is really all about. But folks, He's not just the star of the past. He's the star of the future as well. The the, the whole Christmas story is not just about a babe in a manger. But it's also about, as I've already shared with you, Him being our salvation. Him saving people from their sins. He was born for what purpose? I've already said it. So that He could become a man. So that He could die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So Jesus died our death on the cross. 
But then it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So becoming the sacrifice, he became our Savior when he rose again because he paid the penalty of our sin, but then he's alive to offer us the gift of salvation. And if that's not a beautiful picture, that we'll be learning more about that next week, but, uh, but it's just such a beautiful picture that God uses again and again. I use it again and again sometimes. But what a picture of God offering a gift. And all you must do with the gift is simply receive it. Receive it. The gift has been purchased. The gift has been paid for. So, the, so Christmas is all about hope. I, I, I said this verse last week, but it's a beautiful verse. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born. But we don't leave it there. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, it's looking forward to the future. And His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Folks, Jesus is the star of yesterday. He's the star of Christmas. But He's also the star of tomorrow. I mean, that's the reason why you see Anna also in Luke chapter number 2. When she sees the Lord, she rejoices because when she sees Jesus in Luke 2, right after Simeon saw him, Anna came in that same instant, a, a very elderly lady that had served the Lord in the temple, and she says, wow, I see this is the answer for all of those who have looked for redemption in Israel. In other words, for the redeeming, for the kingdom, for the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to David, and on down the line, will be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the star of yesterday. He's the star of tomorrow, but he's also the star of today. Folks, he's the star of the church. He's the star of the church. And when I say the church, I mean any Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church. Because any church that Jesus is not the star of is no church at all. When the church is your dogma or your good works or the minister or whatever it is, folks, that is not a church at all. But the church of a church, Jesus is the star. He's the star of this church. It's no secret that the world around us wants less and less to do with Christianity. Is that not true? The number of people going to church continues to decline and the number of people without formal religious affiliation continues to climb. In response to this, many people are trying to come up with new ways to draw people to Jesus. But God has already given us the only way that works, which is to lift up Jesus Christ as the center of everything we do. There's a lot of things that we do and serve and, and ministries and, and everybody, if you're saved, you, you have a spiritual gift and you belong working in the church, working in the body of Christ. But everything we do from cleaning to finances to missions to preaching and teaching and singing, folks, Jesus is at the center of every bit of it. Jesus is the star. He's the one. The, the purpose of everything we do here ought to be to magnify and glorify Him. He said, and I, He said this, uh, the, the, the direct interpretation of this is the cross. When He said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But the application to that is this. We lift up Jesus and people come. 
And when people see Jesus in our lives and in our church, that's where they see the love. The church really has love one for another when they put Jesus first. When He's the star. All right? And, And this is what the Bible says. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead in all things, that He might have the preeminence. That He might have the preeminence. He is it. In both our individual lives and in our church, Jesus must be the main attraction. Reaching people is not a matter of technique or program, but it's a matter of the heart. There's a lot that we do around here to try to find ways that we can lift up Jesus. I mean, honestly, even from from the greeting part of things, what are we trying to do? We're trying to show people the love and the welcoming nature of Christ as they come in the door. It's about Him. When we sing, it's about Him. I mean, listen, well, we've got got such talented singers and there's so much effort that's put into uh, the time and and the time and effort that goes into the singing is just amazing and it shows, does it not? But I'm telling you, it's not about hitting every note just right. And it's not about just having everything just right. It's about glorifying God at the end. And that's why we do that. But the purpose of, of, of singing is not to see how perfect I can be. No, I want to do the best I can. But ultimately, the main purpose is to give glory to God, to Jesus Christ, because it's all about Jesus. Amen? So He's the star of the church. He should be the star of every Christian. You know, we, we should enjoy the many characters that make up our lives. Because, you know, God's given us many things. God's given us families. He's given us homes. He's given us... Uh, He's given us maybe hobbies or jobs. He's given recreation. He's given friends. He's given careers. He's given possessions. He's given amusement. All of those play a part in our lives. But as God's people, man, we need to make sure that He's number one. Amen? Because if you get that out of order, your whole life is going to be out of order. But when you learn to put Jesus first, you learn uh, the true value of the rest of it. Jesus before ourselves, Jesus before these other things, because the other things are temporal, the other things aren't lasting. Make sure, Christian, that Jesus is the star of your life. A few people, like four people, looked at Christian just then. But I was preaching that to Christian, but I preached to the rest of you as well, amen? Uh, make sure that Jesus is the star of your life. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine understanding. The Bible tells us we ought to put God first in our lives. And when we do, God blesses the rest of it. He's the star of the church. He's the star of the Christian. He is the light in your life. Now, would you think about something with me just for a moment? Like the wise men of old, something has brought you to the place where you are right now. Think about that. So just as those wise men, it was just a normal day in the life of a wise man, whatever they do. When all of a sudden, this bright light gets their attention. And they start going toward that light. It was a normal day in the lives of those shepherds. They were doing what they did every night. When all of a sudden, this opportunity... This light and this angel, Mary, Joseph, Zachariah, Elizabeth, it was just a normal day. Just like it's just a normal day for you, it seems like. But again, I don't want you to miss the opportunity that God has before you today. The opportunity. These wise men did not have to follow that star. 
These shepherds did not have to leave their fields. But they did. They took advantage of the opportunity. I want you to realize the significance of this day. See, for the shepherds, again, it wasn't anything special. But in a very normal day, a very normal night became the biggest night of their lives. And this, a very normal day, could become the biggest part and the biggest time and the biggest day in your life. You know why? Because God, we love the story of Christmas. I'm glad that God gives His narrative in a story from beginning to the end. It's awesome. But you know, God's not done writing a story. He's still writing your story. He's still writing your story. And a big part of that is going to be, will you be with the humble of Christ's day or with the proud? Will you humble yourself and bow or will you buck up in your pride and say, no, I want to keep going the way I'm going. I want to continue in darkness. Here's what the Bible says in Luke 19. The Bible said, Jesus said this, And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and here's what it says, he wept over it. Now just get this picture. Jesus comes to the city, and he begins to weep. Not just a little tear running down his cheek, but folks, he's weeping. He's crying. And he says, what does he say? If thou hadst known, even thou... At least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now are they hid from thine eyes. Jesus is standing there weeping and saying, Hey, I'm here. I'm the promised one. Your opportunity is now. But he's weeping because they would not see it, many of them. And I'm telling you, if you're here today, if you're listening today, it is no accident at all. There's a a sovereign God in heaven who loves you. And just like these wise men followed that star for a long time that caught their eye, I want you to know something. Before you were ever even born, you caught God's eye. And God fell in love with you. Even before creation, actually. But He loves you. He cares about you. To to many, just like for these people, remember, people in this day, not everybody was lining up to come to Bethlehem, were they? Not everybody was opening up their homes and saying, oh my goodness, come in here. No, most people had their hearts shut. Their doors were closed and their hearts were closed. But there were a few that opened up in that day. And just the point that I'm just simply trying to make is this. God loves you. And I know, just like for many of them, God may have seemed like some distant character. And the story of the cross and salvation, maybe that just seems like something that was a part of your religious upbringing that that led you to, you know, be brought up in whatever religion it was and then to say, well, I've tried tried church. I've tried God. No, no, no. You've tried dead religion is what you've tried. We're not talking about dead religion. We're talking about a living, breathing Savior who loves you, who literally went to the cross to pay for your sins, to pay the price for your sin, to die, to rise again the third day, and brings you to this point where a light is shining, not a physical light perhaps, but a spiritual light begins to shine in your mind and in your heart. 
And then you have the choice. Will you follow that? Will you open up your door? Will you open up your heart? Will you let the Savior come in and abide with you? Many in the world are blinded to the significance of this man who lived and died 2,000 years ago. That's all Jesus is to some people. You know, for a lot of people, Jesus is just still a babe in a manger. That's all He is. But folks, He is much, much more than that. Like those who were alive during those days, during His ministry and His nativity, I don't know what it was that was distracting them that day. I don't know what it was that was uh, causing them to go in a different direction that day. But I'm telling you, they were taken away and they chose the temporal over the eternal. You ever made a statement like this? I'm seeking God. You know, I'll say this. The Bible says if you seek Him, you'll find Him. The Bible says that, uh, that those who uh, not only seek Him, find Him. I'll say this. Those who seek Him are never disappointed. But there's something kind of cool about seeking God. Here you are. You, you're on this journey. And you, and, and you say to yourself, I'm just trying to discover God. And by the way, you need to be sure you're open to truth. And before you totally close out what the Bible says, you better make sure you know what the Bible says and not just what somebody told you the Bible says. Okay? You better make sure you know it because God's Word is truth. And if you're truly open to truth, you'll be open to hearing what the truth says. But here's the thing. God will lead you. Somebody says, man, I'm seeking God. I'm seeking after God. But here's the whole thing. Man, then you get saved and you say, man, I found the Lord. But then you look back and you realize, oh my goodness, I didn't find Him. He found me. All the time I thought I was seeking Him, that was Him seeking me. Those times I heard, I, I heard, maybe I heard a verse, I heard a message. Someone spoke to me about Christ. Whatever it may have been, all that time is Jesus seeking after you. Gently, lovingly, patiently drawing you to Himself. Why? Because he knows that there's nothing greater. There is no greater light of joy and peace and fulfillment and forgiveness of sins that you can have than when you've got the star of Christmas in your life. Because we put all these things at the top and we find out that they lead to emptiness. Everything that the world promises, I say this to, I always want to speak to the young people, but I say it to us old people too, but young people, everything the world promises you will give you fulfillment ends up void because you can never get enough of it you can never get any you think you can get enough wealth when you're a young person don't you you think if i could just make this amount of money if i could just afford a you know a, a, a new house and a pickup I, that i would be good i would ha i would have enough no you wouldn't have enough uh i mean understand you do we we learn to have enough but if that's your focus it reminds me of what John D. Rockefeller once said when he was asked, I mean, when he became the richest man in the world, that someone asked him, what does it take, Mr. Rockefeller, what does it take to make a millionaire happy? And he said something along this lines: just one more dollar. One more dollar, that's all I need. And because uh, I'm telling you, this world doesn't satisfy. Sin promises it'll satisfy, it don't satisfy. It leads to ruin. But folks, when you make Jesus the star of your life, See, Jesus is the star of Christmas. He's the star of the past. He's the star of the future. He's the star of the present. And I want to say this today. Jesus is the star. He is the star of salvation. What I mean to say by that is this. Jesus said simply this. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When it comes to salvation, Jesus doesn't share the stage with anyone or anybody or anything else. In other words, it's not baptism and Jesus. It's not church and Jesus. It's not doing good and Jesus. No, it's Jesus. It's simply turning to Him and trusting Him. He's the star of salvation. He is it. He is the one. Uh, and I, I wished I could uh, uh, tell you a little bit about this. I think I'll close just with a few thoughts of this. I'll share a few of these with you. He's the star of salvation. He's the star of the past, present, and future. He's the star of Christmas. He wants to be the star of your life. But did you know that Jesus is the star of Scripture? Just in case you question me saying, hey, Pastor, I don't really like you putting, talking about other people like them being a part of the show and Jesus being the star. But is that not what the Bible is? Think about it. Who's, the star, who's some of the stars of Genesis? Abraham, Isaac, J Jacob, and Joseph. But th that's not the star of Genesis. The star of Genesis is the seed of the woman that we find in Genesis 3. And, 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 and he, is, um, he is Shiloh the king that will come toward the end of Genesis. In Exodus, we have Moses. Is he a star? Sure, he's a star. But he's not the star. Jesus is the star because we see Jesus in the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, we may think that the high priests, they're a character, but Jesus is the star because he's the high priest of God. In Numbers, we see the, the, the Jesus is represented by the cloud by day and the, 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 cloudy, or the fiery pillar by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet. He is the star of Deuteronomy. He's the star of Joshua because he is the captain of our salvation. He is the star of judges because he's the ultimate judge and lawgiver. He's the star in Ruth because he's the kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he's the prophet and the Lord. In 1st and 2nd Kings and Chronicles, he's the reigning king. In Ezra, he's the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls. In Esther, he's the savior of the helpless. In Job, he's the sovereign God over human pain. In the Psalms, he is the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. In Proverbs, he's wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover of our souls. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he's the rejected messenger of the Lord. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the turning wheel. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace and the Ancient of Days. In Hosea, he's the faithful bridegroom married to the unfaithful wife. In Joel, he's the spirit and the fire. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's the mighty savior. In Jonah, he's the merciful and forgiving God. In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's people. In Habakkuk, he's the great evangelist and, uh, that's crying for revival. In Zephaniah, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Haggai, he's the cleansing fountain open to all. In Zechariah, he's the merciful father. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. Uh, risen with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's the king. In Mark, he's the servant. In Luke, he's the man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he's the risen Lord. In Romans, he's the justifier of sinners. 
In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he's the giver of gifts. In Galatians, he's the giver of freedom to the believer. In Ephesians, he's the unsearchable riches of God. In Philippians, he's the God who meets our every need. In Colossians, he's the image of the invisible God. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he's the returning king. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. Titus, he's the faithful pastor. Philemon, he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the lamb that provided the blood to wash our sins away. In James, he's the great physician. In Peter, he's the chief shepherd. In the epistles of John, he is everlasting love. In Jude, he's the Lord that comes down with uh, ten thousands of his saints. In Revelation, he's Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the one who returns as the conqueror. In other words, folks, he is the star of Scripture. Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. And so if we could all stand here today, and we'll have a pianist come, and I ask you today, I'll talk about the star. What I'm trying to say is, what's the main thing in your life? What's the headliner of your life? Or who's the headliner of your life? For many people, it's their, it's their selves. You know, we have this, it's a real counterproductive thing. It makes sense to us. Put yourself first, make yourself happy, do all these things, and man, you'll... But I'm telling you, that doesn't work. But when we think about others, we try to help somebody else out, bring glory to God. Who's the star of your life? I ask you this today. Have you... Have you received the beautiful gift of salvation? Have you received that gift? He's, oh, yeah, yeah, preacher, I was baptized and blah, 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 blah. No, you're not answering my question. I didn't ask about baptism. I'm asking you this question. Have you personally and specifically called and believed on the Lord from your heart? And it don't have to be in these exact words, but with this in your heart, this, this attitude, dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you today that I have sinned. Thus, I am a sinner. But Jesus, I believe that you paid the penalty and the price for my sin at the cross. I believe that you died and that you rose again. And I want you to come into my life and, my, and, and to be my Lord and my Savior. Have you ever prayed a prayer, prayed a prayer something like that today? If you haven't, I'm telling you, you could do that today. The Bible says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's purchased the gift for you. It's got your name on it. He did it for you. You just must receive it. Child of God, let's make sure as a church, let's make sure as individuals that we keep Jesus the star. Amen. He's the main thing. Lord Jesus, I love you today. I thank you, dear Lord, and I pray, God, if there's anybody who needs to ask you, who needs to receive that gift, I pray that you help them to receive that gift right now. Right now, that they would pray from their hearts, dear Lord Jesus, I believe on you today. I want you to come into my heart and life, be my Savior. Lord, and I'm glad with a prayer of faith, God, not just words, words are words, but you said with the heart, man, believeth unto righteousness. And I pray, dear God, that you help somebody to call on your name today. Thank you, Lord, for lighting up my life. Thank you for the bright light shone in my life one day. Help me to let that light shine through me to others, dear Lord, and we'll thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all those who served and contributed. Lord, I want to pray a special prayer today, God, for 
these dear, precious sisters of ours, dear Lord, that are going back. I want to pray for Ira. I want to pray that you'll have your hand upon her life. For Sunha, as they head back to Korea and... Lord, I pray that you'll just bless them in their travels, bless them in their future, help them with what may lie ahead. God, as you know, God, I pray they'll be able to find a good church over there, dear Lord, in that part of Seoul where they're currently in school. Bless them, bless their families. God, I pray that you'll just, uh, just keep your hand upon their lives, dear Lord. Thank you so much for bringing them and Bella and many others into our lives, God, over these weeks and months. We thank you for that. We do pray a blessing over them and upon them today. Thank you for Kate and all those at WIT that have been so helpful to be a blessing to them as well. I pray you'll bless them also, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God